doing good? Good to be in the house of the Lord. Say amen. All right. You know, watching that film brought me back to university days, and a lot of people think, well, that really doesn't happen. Well, I was in a philosophy class with about a thousand students at, the, at UNC, and I had just come to faith in Christ. I really didn't know much about what it meant to walk with God or to, to be with God and what it meant to stu- stand for Jesus. But the professor got up and he said, if any of you are Christians, I want you to stand up. And I thought, I love university life. This guy is going to acknowledge Christians. So like three of us stood up. I guess others had, had found out what this was all about. And he said, now, everybody else, I want you to look at these three. These three people are the biggest fools in this university. Don't tell me faith doesn't get challenged. And mom and dad, if you think you can send your student away to college, to university, and they're not going to be challenged or they're grounded enough, let me tell you what happens. In addition to experiencing Animal House on a daily basis, (laughs) your faith is challenged, and that's why you need to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, we're supposed to represent Jesus. What that really means is we are to represent him to people. We represent him. When people see us, they should see Jesus. This past week, we were in uh, Cabo. Thank you very much. It was wonderful. I miss you all for... No, I really did miss you. It was, it, was, uh, it was great to watch on live stream and to pray for you, and I was emailing and texting on my vacation because I had to, but uh, it, was, it was really, really great. We were sitting at a restaurant, and the maitre d' came up afterwards to ask how the food was. And something in my spirit just, just said, you've got to speak to this guy. He introduced himself as Ulysses. And the minute he said it, I said, I have a word from God for you. You are a warrior. And whatever challenge you're facing right now in your life, I want you to know that God has given you the capacity to overcome and to be strong in this situation. And he kind of began to well up with tears. He didn't know what all it meant. And as we were leaving, he was waiting for us at the exit. He had written out a note with the name of his wife, Odette, and asked us to pray. She's already had one surgery. She needs another surgery. They have two children and one on the way. And he said, when you said that to me, that I'm a man of courage and a warrior spirit is in me, he said, I knew you were speaking right to me. Thank you how you ministered grace to me. We represent Jesus to people. As God begins to speak in our hearts to us and through us, we are to let people know who Jesus is and what Jesus is all about. You see, when we start thinking about life and about the challenges of life, sometimes we fall back in a spirit of fear. But Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of courage, and of a strong mind. We are to be strong in the Lord and the things of the Lord. You see, fear is the absence of power. You know why you fall back in fear? You know why you don't want to share your faith? Because you don't recognize the power that is in you. Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, the power is not your power. 
You say, well, I don't know how to answer people. Don't worry about it. Just open your mouth. Let the Spirit of God take over. You know, so many times we get intimidated by people. We think, well, what, what, what if they ask me a hard question? You've never been asked a hard question? You don't know how to say, I don't know? I mean, seriously, think about it. Somebody asks you something, go, hey, I don't know the answer to that one, but I'll tell you what, I will research it. I'll get back to you. Give me your name. Give me your information. Checking out at the hotel. The man was standing there. His name was Altura. And I had a shirt on that said, L.A. God Music. And he goes, what is that? What is L.A. God Music? And I began to tell him a little bit about it, and I realized how important it was to have something to prompt someone to ask a question when we maybe aren't even thinking about it because we're on vacation, right? And I began to tell him about it, and I said, let me ask you something. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He said, no. And I began to walk him through the plan of salvation, and we're standing there, and you can see his face is turning flush. You can see the Spirit of God begin to work on his heart. And I begin to write down Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. And Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise. We will, there's a promise, be saved. And I gave him my contact information, and, and I realized I would have been pushing him too far at that moment because I was doing about as far as I could. The Spirit of God was allowing me to do. But I said, I want you to email me. I want you to read this scripture, and I want you to come to faith in Christ. And I realized how easy it is when we begin to think about fear is the absence of power. Do you have power? If you know Jesus, you have all the power you need. Also, our purpose is eternal. Our purpose is not temporal. You weren't created by God simply to live, grow, work, raise a family, retire, and die. You were created by God with an eternal purpose. And everything that you're going through in this life is shaping you into the image of the invisible God, preparing you for an eternal weight of glory, preparing you as a priest and a king of the most high God to be an overcomer and to sit with him on his throne. Revelation chapter 1 says that. He who overcomes will I grant to sit with me on my throne. Whatever that means, it sounds pretty good, amen? All right, power also attracts attention. You ever notice when something powerful happens that attracts attention, people are just going, what is that? What's going on? Well, when you walk in the power of God, people are going, what is going on in your life? What is happening? What is the, the magnet that is drawing? You know, about five weeks ago, we began our first class in the school of ministry. We'll officially launch in October, but we have about 65 people enrolled in our first class of school of ministry, and it's on prayer and healing. And I believe that God is raising up some people who are going to be prayer warriors and be mighty vessels for the hand of God. I'm excited about what's going to happen. On the 27th of October, we'll have a dinner here. We have a speaker from South Africa coming in, and, and it'll, it's going to be a great time for us to launch you into a two- and three-year school of ministry plan if you want to be a part of that. And I believe God is going to do some great things, but power attracts attention. You know, we've seen a lot of people come to faith in Christ. I was just previewing the, the baptism video that we did at Easter. At Easter time, we baptized about 100 people. 
And as I watched people come up out of the water excited for their faith, I thought, isn't this exciting? This is what God wants us to do about changing lives. And then I realized we've also seen a lot of people physically healed. And word of that is getting out. In fact, uh, I won't draw attention to them, but there's, there's two ladies that flew in from out of state today to be here with us today because one of them is desirous of healing. You see, when the fame of Jesus begins to spread, we become irresistibly attractive for the kingdom of God. Years ago, we flew into Iceland on our way to Amsterdam. And if you've ever been there, it's as close to being on the moon as you can imagine. And you wonder, how do they grow anything? Well, they have greenhouses. And they have just greenhouses that that consume acres upon acres upon acres of, of land there in Iceland. And you go into those greenhouses, and they can grow anything and everything. It's like walking into a, into a jungle, into a paradise, and, and there's all kinds of fruits and vegetables that are grown there. The reason is, is because the environment is right to grow. The environment is right for that seed to germinate. To thrive. You see, when you, when you begin to create a kingdom culture, healing becomes easy because the environment is like a spiritual greenhouse that begins to germinate, cultivate, and bring forth fruit in our life. Now, today we're going to be talking about, about Jesus, the disciple maker, from Matthew chapter 10. So if you want to open your Bibles to that, I want you to, to follow along with me as we look at this passage and see what Jesus was teaching them about representing him to people in the world. The Bible tells us this in John chapter 10 and verse 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits. Now that word power there is actually a word that means authority. The power ultimately comes from God, but the authority to act on his behalf has been given to you. What was lost in Adam has been regained in Jesus. That's why the Bible says that, that Adam, the first Adam, brought death into the world. The second Adam, Jesus, brought life into the world. And when he empowered his disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits. And this is in the sense of moral uncleanliness. You see, there are some things in your life, possibly, that morally are unclean. And you're either being uh, uh, oppressed or you're being shaped by culture to move into that area of moral uncleanliness. And what God is wanting us to understand here is that God works best with a pure vessel. God works best when our heart is dedicated to him, when we're committed to him, and we're going down the right road of righteousness. It says here, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. That means to restore back to health. Now, some people will tell you, well, that was just the 12 apostles. Well, then he did it for the 70 as well. And he sent them out with the same charge. In Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 16, exactly the same message says, 
all those who believe will go out and they will do this. And they were to represent Jesus. When you met a disciple of Jesus, you were to meet, you're be meeting Jesus. It says to restore to health all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Lebius, whose surname is Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now imagine if you're Judas Iscariot, and in your heart is a seed of rebellion. And Jesus says, I'm giving you power and authority over all of this. And what you do is you say, you're not measuring up to what I thought you would, Jesus. I don't care what power, I don't care what authority you give me, I'm still going down the course that I intended to go on. There was something in him that had a rebellion against truth. There's something in every one of us that has rebellion against truth. What will you do with it? See, I don't want to be named as a disciple like that, do you? I want to be one that says, no, Jesus, you, Jesus says, you come. I'm going to bring you in this inner circle. I want to show you my kingdom. Now, it said, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them. That is, he ordered them and he charged them, saying, do not go the way of the Gentiles. You see, the gospel was first to go to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach. In other words, proclaim. God wants you to be a proclaimer of truth, saying the kingdom or the king's domain of heaven is at hand. It's right here. You know, on one occasion, Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, what say you? They knew exactly what he was talking about because that, that little phrase, that little idiom that's found the finger of God is first appears in the book of Exodus chapter 8 where those, where those false musicians of the, of the Pharaoh could not do the miracles that Moses was doing in those ten plagues. And they finally said, wait a minute, this has gone beyond us. This is surely the finger of God. God wanted us to remind, her that, remind us that when God lifts a finger, he can work a miracle. The second time it's used is later in the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, it says that God took his own finger and he wrote the Ten Commandments. God wants us to understand something about who he is and what he does. And he says, do you wonder who I am? Let me show you who I am and what I do. Because they could find no fault in him, the scripture says. Now, it says the kingdom of God is at hand. And it says, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold or silver nor copper for your money belt, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals or staves for a worker is worthy of his food. In other words, I want you to trust me. See, that's that last couple of verses there. It's just all about trusting Jesus with whatever you have and whatever's going on in your life. I want you to see something, that we are co-laborers with God. Have you ever thought of this? God, I'm going to do my part. I have complete confidence you're going to do yours. What do you want me to do today, God? 
Paul wrote and he said, we are co-laborers with God in, in 2 Corinthians. We're co-laborers. What does that mean? That means that we have power. We have power with God. In John chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, my words are life and they are spirit. His words in you are what? They are what? Repeat, life and they are what? When you speak a word, it's sending life out to someone, and it's sending the Spirit of God out to someone. It is affecting them. You are having an impact on them whether you know or not. That's why Job wrote and said, decree a thing, and it shall be so. Declare something, because the words of your mouth are powerful. How did God create the world? He spoke them into existence. What did Jesus say when he said, you need a miracle? Speak to the mountain, and it shall be picked up and moved, and it shall obey you. By your words, you shall be judged. Why does it say if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead? You have to speak because God has somehow put this, this power in speech that is amazing. Now, when he's teaching us something about power, I want you to see that there are several levels that, that, that seem to be reflected in Scripture. And the first one, level one, is when you begin to understand things from an earthly parallel. In other words, you look at things that are seen and you under, understand things that are not seen. So Jesus said this, you must be born again. Okay, now I take the earthly. I know what birth is. Now born again, then that's something unseen. That's spiritual. He says, all right, now you see the wind. It's like the Spirit of God. You don't see it, but it has an effect on your life. So we go from seen to unseen. That's level one understanding. That's the most basic understanding that God gives us. But level two is when there is no earthly parallel. The first one is an earthly parallel we can all relate to. That's when we go from the unseen to the seen. You see, when you go from the seen, you relate to it because you're on an earthly level. But now we're going from the unseen. In other words, the way the kingdom works is this. You've got to say something is so. You've got to see it in the spiritual realm in order for it to manifest itself in the physical realm. That's what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the kingdom. You see, something about the kingdom goes like this. Your will on earth, where as it already is in heaven, but I can't see what's going on in heaven. Not in my physical realm. I have to do it in my spiritual realm. So what I want to do is I want to take my understanding and say, this is level one, and I want to get as much understanding and base as I can, but now I want to enter into that level two where I begin to say, God, will you show me what you're doing? Then when I pray, I can pray with confidence because I already know the will of God. I already know what God is up to. I already see the hand of God in what is happening. You see, because we are stewards of the mysterious, eternal boundaries of God. Now, that you've got to think about that a minute. We are stewards of the mysterious, eternal boundaries of God. God has given you authority to act on His behalf on earth as His representative to represent Jesus. So I can speak the word of salvation to someone and 
I steward well the eternal boundary of God. If I don't speak and I don't speak of, of eternity to someone, I don't steward well the eternal boundary of God. I literally hold up the king's message. I stop the king's domain right there because I refuse to speak in his name. Because we have an assignment, and that assignment from God is heaven on earth. We are to do everything with him because we are his delight. Some of you probably right now are feeling and have felt for some time that God doesn't like you. God doesn't love you. God is upset about some of the things you've done or haven't done in the kingdom. Can I just tell you this? He loved you. He loved you when you were a total enemy. How much more does he love you now as sons of the living God? He smiles on you. When my children did something wrong when they were little, I never stopped loving them. I was never angry in the sense of I turned away from them. Did it make me mad? Yes, but that was my issue, not theirs. You see, the Father loves every one of you. And whatever hurt and pain you feel in your heart right now, Jesus wants to heal that right now. And just in Jesus' name, just let, it, let him have it. Let him have it. We also to understand the times. You see, part of what it means to be a disciple is to be a co-laborer, but part of it is to understand the times. We're living in some very interesting times, are we not? We're living in times where we wonder what is really going on and what is God up to? In the nation of Israel, I want to show you a slide. It's not a great picture, but it's a satellite image of what's happening in Israel today. And you can see all the, all the rockets that are coming in and all the attacks and all the places where things are happening. And Jesus told us this. He said, when you see Jerusalem surrounded, lift up your head. Begin to take notice of what's happening. In the book of, of Zechariah, in chapter 12, I want to just read this to you because it's very interesting and very timely with what's happening in Gaza today. And I'm going to touch on Gaza in just a moment because prophetically we want to understand what's happening. It says in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness, which means literally a trembling, to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away surely will be cut to pieces, though all nations of the earth will be gathered against it. I want you to know right now we're seeing a fulfillment of that prophecy in Zechariah. Right now, Jerusalem is a heavy weight. The nations of the world are assembled around a country the size of New Jersey. So much power and influence does it wield in the world that all the ambassadors, all the nations, all the tribes, and all the peoples are trying to figure out how do we fix the situation. The answer is you cannot fix the situation. We've seen the example of, of Kerry going in that models much of what happened uh, to uh, Israel in 1939 and 1936 to 39 when Neville Ch Chamberman from England went over and said, all is well, Hitler's a nice guy. We're seeing exactly the same happening, happening right now with Hamas. 
And I want you to know, nobody can fix it. There's only one city in the Bible that is said to be God's city, and it's Jerusalem. She says, that's my city, that's my place, that's where my name is. That's where my temple is, that's where Jesus was died and rose from the dead, and that's where I'm coming back. There's something significant prophetically in Scripture, and disciples of Jesus look at world events and go, oh, what are we going to do? You pray. That's what you do. You get urgent about the things of God because the times we're living in. Let me just read a little bit further in this. It says in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, and I will pour out on the house, and this is coming now. Now listen to what's coming. This is exciting. Say, this is exciting. All of you say it. This is exciting. All right, now you believe it. All right. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. He said, there's coming. It's coming. I'm going to pour out grace and supplication, and they will look upon me whom they pierced. Who's that? Jesus. You mean Zechariah, 450, 500 years before Jesus ever came, talked about someone who would be pierced. Yes, he talked about the crucifixion. They didn't know about crucifixion in his day. That was perfected by Philip of Macedon, the father of Alexander the Great. It predated it several hundred years. Prophetically, he's saying, they will look upon me, the one they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. Listen to that prophetically, what Scripture is saying. You're going to mourn. There's going to come a time when you're going to realize the one you pierced is the one who's coming with grace and supplication for you. The one who's going to bring about a great revival, a great movement of God among the Jewish people. That day is coming. They will mourn like an only son and grieve for him as one who grieves for the firstborn. The only son pierced through, firstborn. Does it sound like something is going on here prophetically in Scripture? We're living in these days. Let's look at this next image. It's a newspaper that just came out not too long ago. God changes the path of our rockets in midair, said a terrorist. They're so frustrated with not being able to effectively wipe Israel off the map that finally one terrorist, one leader in Hamas said, well, they're God. It's his fault. We want to kill Israel, but it's their God. The other thing that's interesting, remember it says their God. At least they understand more than most Christian apologists in America today because they said the God Allah is not the same as Jehovah God. Allah is the moon God. He's not the true God. That's why they have the moon above the mosque. Make sense? Their God, their God. Well, Gaza is significant. You know why? Because when Israel came into the land, you know what, what tribe was given Gaza? Judah. Judah. It's the most hotly contended piece of real estate in the Middle East. Why? Because it was given to the tribe of Judah. It was given back foolishly in 2005 by Ariel Sharon. Ariel Sharon reasoned this way. We know what's going to happen in Gaza. It's going to become a hotbed for terrorists. We know we're going to do that, but I think when they see how bad Hamas is, then they'll realize how good Israel is. You see, that's when human logic is, enters in and you don't understand the spiritual dimensions of Scripture. Yeah. 
So Gaza is significant for that reason because of its originally given. Also, when the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines, there were five cities that were infected with a plague because they had taken the Ark or the presence of God, and one of them was Gaza. But maybe even more significant, there was during the period of the time of Judges a man by the name of Samson. Remember him? I did the before picture for Samson. (laughs) There was this guy, Samson. And the only thing that, that could explain his strength and his power was his covenant with God. And when he broke his covenant with God, that Nazarite vow, he was like any other man. He was weak and powerless. And what did those Philistines do? They poked out the eyes of Samson. And they led him down to the temple of Dagon, their pagan god, in where? Gaza. And it was there in Gaza that Samson stood and he looked at the servant boy and he says, he's chained up, he's blind, he doesn't know what's going on. And he said, put me between two pillars of this temple of Dagon. And he put his hands on the pillars, and I love the way the Holy Spirit adds one little phrase in Scripture. It says, and his hair began to grow. When he said, oh God, strengthen me this one last time. And it says he moved the pillars off of their place. The entire temple fell and collapsed, killing everyone, including Samson, in the process. And the Scripture says he killed more of the enemy, that is, of the Philistines in his dying than he ever did in his living. You see, there is a spiritual atmosphere of contention in Gaza, and that's what's going on today. We also are called to shape culture. See, kingdom means the king's domain. I want to take you to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 18. I want you to see this. This is really an interesting scripture. It says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, from the hand of all the kingdoms, and from those who oppressed you. You see, God said, This is what I did for you. I delivered you from all the kingdoms. You know what kingdoms outside of God's kingdom do? I don't care what kingdom it is, they will oppress you. That's why the Bible says our citizenship is not of this world, but it is in heaven, from which we will receive our reward. When you try to get a reward from this kingdom, you get cheated. When you put all of your efforts into building life here, to the neglect of life there, you get cheated. You think in your mind, you reason like Ariel Sharon, you reason in your mind, well, if I just do this and do this and do this, I'm going to be secure. You, you know how secure everyone in this room is? Our life is but a breath that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Job said our life are like sparks that fly upward and they dissipate into the air. Why, even Henry Thoreau knew something about life. He said life is just a stroll on the beach. Or the quote from Shakespeare that you heard in the movie. It's a tale told by an idiot. 
signifying nothing. Is that life? What are you doing with your life? The kingdoms of this world will oppress. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. The kingdom of God is not. It's not eating. It's not drinking. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now let me show you something here. This is really a significant passage for a couple of reasons. Number one, it says that it is, it, it lists three things. It says, first of all, it's righteousness. I want you just to make a note by that word righteousness. That's the Father. You see, you see the attributes of the Trinity listed right here. Is first of all righteousness. Where do you understand righteousness from? From the Father. And then it's further on, it says this, and peace. Who brings the peace? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, is he not? That's how he's revealed in Scripture. And then joy. Where does joy come from? Jesus. Jesus said, my joy do I give unto you, not as the world gives, but my joy do I give unto you, that your joy might be made full. But now watch this. Where is it? It's in the Holy Spirit. This is all in the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God who's given that task of indwelling and that task of ministering to you from the inside out, what does he bring? He brings all these attributes of the Holy Trinity into your heart. He brings righteousness. He brings peace. He brings joy. When you walk in his presence, when you walk in the Spirit of God, you walk in righteousness, you walk in joy, and you walk in peace. And you're a part of this kingdom that God is all about. Let me give you some life applications. Here's the first one. Do not make excuses for powerlessness. See, what we want to do is we want to help God out. If God doesn't come through, all we do is we have this great little catchphrase at the end of everything. Well, I guess it wasn't God's will. Do you ever think that maybe God wants to do more in you and through you than he's currently doing? Do you ever think that maybe he doesn't want you to have a disclaimer for him that he can handle his own reputation? Also, the church is the only force contending for Satan's rule on earth. If we don't do what we're called to do, who will? Who will do that? Who's going to help people understand the kingdom of God? Who's going to lead someone to Jesus Christ? Who's going to demonstrate and represent Jesus to the earth if it's not you? It's not just some of us, it's us. That's what we do. If you don't pray, who will? If you don't intercede, who will? If you don't stand in the gap, who will? We are called to contend for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. People don't just figure it out. People have to be led. They have to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Paul sat down there with his leaders in Acts chapter 20, it says he wept. He said, I have not ceased for the, for the sake of three years declaring you the whole counsel of God. But be warned. Enemies are going to come from the outside and from the inside. Be warned. You are contending. You are in a battle. And then we are to plunder hell and populate heaven. 
We are to plunder hell. We're to take captives. We're to bring them to the Father and introduce them to the Son. We're to show them the way of righteousness. We're to bring them into kingdom understanding and kingdom values. We are the church of the living God. There is no power on earth more powerful than the power of the church demonstrated when the church is raptured and taken out of this earth, all hell breaks loose because we are the only shock absorber on planet earth. We are the only one. You are the only one. I want you to stand with me as we pray. I want everyone right now just to think about their own heart. What's going on in your heart? What's, my, what's the condition of my heart? Do you know? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord? Do you know that without a shadow of a doubt? Do you know that you know Him? If there's any doubt at all in your heart right now, I'm going to ask you to pray and receive Christ. I'm going to ask you to listen to what it takes to step into the kingdom and receive him today. Let's just bow our heads and I'll lead you through this prayer. It goes something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I know God. From what I understand, the little bit I understand that Jesus, you died for my sins because you love me. You were buried and you rose from the dead to give me life. I choose life this morning. I choose salvation. The Bible says if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, I will be saved. Save me, Lord Jesus, right now. Come into my heart and save me. If that was your prayer and you you did it in faith. Jesus just saved you. If that was your prayer and you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you just to look at me right now. Just put your eyes right up here for me right now. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Anybody else? Yes, sir. God bless you. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. Now I want to speak to you who know Christ. So we need to step up. We need to be courageous Christ followers. We need to represent Jesus in the world. We need to go with power and authority of the kingdom, changing lives, praying for people, and seeing God work in their life. It's not that hard, guys. You've already got all you need. All the equipment's been given. All the power's been given. All the authority's been given. Just go in that name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen? This altar at front here is open for you to come and pray. Our prayer team will be here. If you raised your eyes and you said, today I believed in Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to come and, and just come right here to the front and, and let us pray with you. If you need to be healed, we want to pray for you as well.